Alright, guess what guys? There's only one place where you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. Only one place. It's your favorite locally owned, legendary, and unbelievable, delicious pizza joint. Delicious! Bojo's. The Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and we want to know where the best pizza and want to know where the best pizza in town is bojo's is the only answer can we talk about how great it is that we got the sponsorship the bojo's only, is legit it's the only good pizza in colorado we I have bet. another one coming on here in like a couple weeks i can't spoil yet but we are getting the colorado brands dnvr is D, is Colorado we are Denver. Through. We are Denver. I just, I think we are Denver. This is the only snobby like East Coast take that I have. It's pizza and bagels. It's trash out here, but Bojo's, I'm with it. But Bojo's is like the furthest thing from New York pizza. It's like a different oh, thing. It's, it's a color. And, yeah. yeah. and it works. So I'm, I'm very proud of Bojo's. I'm just pumped that we have it. I just want us to have all the Colorado brands, styles, everything, and we're slowly collecting them all. All right. Anyways, Bojo's dough <laughs> anyways. is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They the honey, that's how you do it, right? That's the thing. You eat your, your, I've always grown up doing this. But a Colorado thing. Bojo's infuses their dough with natural sweetener, oh. honey, and it's to die for. It's fantastic. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family. A huge salad bar with fresh, with fresh veggies galore. Colorado beer on tap. Including, of course, Breck Brews. And my your favorite God, sports God. team playing in the background. Bojo's is a Mother private God. party room for all your holiday get-togethers or to celebrate birthdays and other large events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations along with gluten-free and plant-based options. Nothing is more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they're always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising cause. Host your next fundraising event at any of their five front range locations. They're also offering this holiday season special pint glass koozies that make great stocking stuffers and also come with $5 gift cards. Check out their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com and tell them who sent you. We should have done Bojos for the spelling bee on DMBA show. Would have failed for sure. I like grew up on Bojos in Boulder. Did you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I always, we used to always do the one coming back from the mountains in uh, Idaho Springs. Oh, yeah. Idaho yeah. Springs like the classic. The classic. The classic You're in the stop. mountains drinking a mountain pie. Yeah. Or eating a mountain pie. What's up, everybody? This is uh, Adam Modish from DNVR. You never start off a podcast I, that way. I can't figure out how, because I'm trying to think really hard about not blowing the sponsorship part, so I blew the intro. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Um, it's presented by Davidson David. I still did it. I'm Adam Adams. I'm joined go. by Harrison Wind. Uh, yeah, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. <laughs> As always, every single show, every single day of the week. Uh, and also by Brendan Vogt. Still presented by Davidson's. <laughs> um, so we are here at Pepsi Center, and we just watched... I don't know what this game was, to be honest, what we just watched. It's a game of runs. It's a game <laughs> of runs. This yeah. this was a total game of runs. Somehow the Nuggets landed on nine-point win, which was exactly what the spread was. <laughs> it's unbelievable, dude. I would never gamble. If, I can't imagine what a roller coaster that game must have been. Um, yeah, it didn't feel like a nine-point game. I don't know what this felt like, to be honest. We have a lot to analyze. Um, but I'm going to start at the most obvious place. Is the Orlando Magic fan the most obnoxious fan that we see every single year? That particular one in one point. Yes, the guy. I mean, there's only yes. one guy I've ever That's met. A hard guess. Well, there's only fan. six Magic fans, so it's got to be one of them. Backwards hat, beard, 
Uh, Broy as hell. Really cool Penny Hardaway jersey though. That is true. <laughs> Gotta say, that is true. He's worse than like a Boston or Philly guy, which is hard to believe. There's one fan that's going to give him a run for his money. Who's what the Detroit guy? That's, but that guy's only seen once. If he's back, then it's definitely that a guy Detroit guy. The worst legend, man. To, to like, set the scene, uh, the same Magic fan got kicked out of the same game for the second season in a row. Too. Well, now it's just a stick. He's got to keep yeah. it up. Oh God! Yeah. Oh, let's talk. What about if he was trying to get kicked out to keep up I, the uh, the thing? Would explain his <laughs> keep behavior. It going. So I asked our good friend TJ McBride. Like I was just so annoyed by this guy. I was so annoyed because he sits right in front of us. I got up and left. I watched the game from another part of the arena. <laughs> I really did. did. I just, truly did. The guy was such a drag, man. I didn't even care about the score. I just wanted to get away from this guy. Uh, but it makes me wonder: fan etiquette at an opposing arena. Everybody's just fans cheering for your team, but there is this like level of performative douchebaggery that is just like not not cool. That, that's why I think people were chill about it at first, is because you you can't get a guy kicked out for just cheering on his team. But yeah. there's a threshold you cross. Yeah. And with about five minutes left in the third quarter, we were far past that threshold. Oh, I was past the for me personally, <laughs> the threshold was past like three minutes into the game. I yeah. did look, I like basketball as much as the next fella. But if, if, if you're getting kicked out of the can because you cannot contain your enthusiasm for Orlando Magic basketball. Uh, I mean, they were up 15 at the half. I, I <laughs> they mean, were I literally great. watch hoops for a living, and I still think that's probably too much. Really? Probably dial it back a little bit. Oh, I see. Yeah. That guy had a great night, though. He left when the Magic were up like 19 in the third, riding high, oh, and then man. didn't even have to watch the end of the game. He, which he didn't. He didn't seem like a guy <laughs> that no. actually watched the game. And then he crashed down from all the drugs and alcohol alone somewhere. I'm oh, sure it was man. a sweet night. We're really ragged on this real but i mean he deserves it what am i feeling sorry for this guy who was annoying um what are we gonna talk about the game yeah i guess we'll have to um so yeah about this game first off big picture good win bad win don't care just another one what how, how are we feeling at this very moment you know i don't think it's a good win nah mm. i mean what what happened in the first half and then like like we've seen before the nuggets finally figured their shit out and rattled off a, a ridiculous run to kind of take control of the game, which they've done before against a Magic team that was on the Utah-Denver back-to-back. Death. Like the most ridiculous back-to-back in the league at altitude. So I don't think it was a good win, no. Yeah, and the Magic did kind of run out of gas there, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. It's certainly not a win that makes you walk away like with any more confidence in the offense. Um, although it's interesting, it's been a problem for them. They defended well first quarter, second quarter, fourth quarter, not so much in the third. They kind of flipped that script tonight, put the clamps down in the third. 16 points for Orlando. So nice to see that defense when it was needed, um, but hardly a four-quarter effort tonight. So the Nuggets are in a weird area where it does feel like, and you had a great quote from Barton I'll ask you about here in a second, but it does feel like the Nuggets know they can beat Orlando Magic with one good quarter. And sort of sometimes that aware. But the thing is, is that Denver is not the Lakers. They're not the Bucks. They're not the front runner. They still, in a weird way, they still have a lot to prove. But they don't. They sure don't play like a team that has a lot to prove. And tonight, when 18 points in the second quarter, just an awful quarter where everybody looked dejected. Fall, how much did they fall behind on the big lead? 19 points. Fall behind by 19 points. I don't I don't know. I just don't know that Nuggets are good enough to have the attitude that they have towards yeah, games Yeah, but like that's this. the attitude they have for whatever reason. And... Two years ago, they played down to their competition. Yeah. Last year, they kicked that problem. Yeah. This year, it seems like a problem again. And the sense I get is they feel like, you know, we can just kind of, you know, throw it around and then, you know, against these teams like the Magic and some of these other teams that are actually, you know, coming to Pep Center over the next, 
know, a couple of weeks below 500 teams. If we just put our heads together and just string together six or seven possessions and go on a run, we can beat these teams. And it's I was saying this before we started recording, but it kind of reminds me of the Warriors a couple of years ago when they could just fool around for most of the game and then have a big run in the third quarter and just kind of take control of the game. The Nuggets, for some reason, feel like they can just do that. But they did it again. So here's the problem, is they went on that run. They took a commanding lead, then they blew it again. Yeah. It was almost like the run happened too quickly. So in the third quarter, I mean, that was a dominant third quarter. 39-16, to 16, they outscored them in that quarter. Absolutely dominant. And it felt like the game was over, but then in the fourth quarter, it was just the same story. I mean... That's the difference between the Warriors, the Lakers, these teams that also do these types of things. That's the difference. Busy. Busy. Busy, actually. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. Shout out cleaning staff. The best. You're up. (laughs) Best cleaning staff in the business. That's the difference between them and the Warriors is that the Nuggets can get up big, but I just – let's put it this way. At halftime, I didn't know if the Nuggets were going to win this one. They're not as good as the Warriors, obviously, but I do think there's something to, like, two years ago, you lose eighty game 82, and then the motivation is for a full season. Let's not let ourselves be in that position again. It's kind of different when the motivation now is trying to do better in a game seven. Yeah. And I think maybe they're waiting for the playoffs. Now, whether they, they're good enough to be doing that is a discussion worth having, but it does kind of feel like they're just lacking that that hunger and desire that kind of defined the last yeah. two seasons. I think there's a lot to that. I, I feel like that's kind of been a sense I've had the whole year. It, I don't want to say, like, they're bored, but they're just kind of waiting for the playoffs. You know, we, they've experienced it. They know what that level of basketball is like. And, I mean, we're sitting here on December 18th. It's like the playoffs are a long ways away. And they're 10 games up. <laughs> In the uh, yeah. uh, 500, like and they're 18 and 8. Harrison and I talked about this on the last pod a little bit. Um, but you go into the locker room after a game like this or after the Knicks game, and there's a little bit of fan sh- like tension in the fan base, right? Oh, they didn't look great, they didn't dominate. Those guys aren't worried, those guys aren't yeah. sweating it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I do notice that observation each time. They, they really do know, I think, sort of that they are good and they are talented. It's just weird. I don't think that they understand why they can only bottle it up for like a quarter at a time um let's get into some of the specifics here so first quarter i thought the ball was popping for the first stretch the first six minutes like when they first started i thought okay this is a good game nuggets are back um some good passing and then it just kind of disappeared it just like disintegrated um you know michael porter jr came into the game and he got some great minutes with Jokic, and i thought even his minutes early on were very encouraging some back a back cut alley-oop first of all let's talk about that play because i just thought it was so good mm-hmm. one of the things i love about michael porter jr he's very good i think as an off-ball mover but he's just so tall and that was one where he beat his guy off the first step Jokic throws the pass it's like yeah he's got you by a half step that's all he needs we talked about this the whole year but him and Jokic have a nice little chemistry together and I get the feeling that a lot of guys don't really look for Porter when they're on the floor with them. Jokic looks for Porter Definitely. every chance he gets. Yeah, looks to put him in dribble handoffs. Looks to you know get him on cuts to the basket, alley oops. Um, those he likes playing. I want to see more of it. So I put this out on Twitter, but the rotation has become, and I like it. It's like I'm com- every time there's a rotation, I complain what it's ninety percent of what I want. But they bring in Jeremy Grant for Paul Millsap, and they bring in. Um, Michael Porter. Porter Jr. for Barton. And then you get Gary Harris, Jokic, and Murray with those two, and I like that, but I do think I would make one little tweak. That lineup, for whatever reason, they've been going to this for a while, 
it sort of has gone to the Murray-Jokic two-man game, which is understandable. It's a very good two-man game. I would rather those minutes, though, you get the ball popping a little bit more. I just think lineups that have uh, Michael Porter Jr. in, I'd love – and maybe it's a thing where we've talked about MPJ's offense and his recognition about what, where to be and what to do. But I wonder if there's a little bit of a – let's simplify it. Let's run the two-man game so he knows mm-hmm. he just has to stand in the corner. Well, he, he's standing in the corner a lot. A lot in those lineups. It's like unless he gets the defensive rebound, pushes the ball up the floor and like tries to attack himself – the only way he's really getting a good look is if like Jokic is trying to set him up. Set him up. It seems like what are the what are the let's like rank the guys in terms of lineups that most get the ball popping. I think Grant or maybe Plumlee over Grant, but I don't know. Maybe Grant there because Millsap there is a little bit more of a like oh he has a mismatch. Let's go to him. Yeah. With Grant, not not nearly as much. So I'm gonna go with him. I think MPJ for sure. Wancho for sure. Gary, Gary Harris quite a bit, and then yeah. Will Barton too. I think Will Barton. Is another one. Yeah. Jamal is a really good player, the better player of all those guys, but it's a little bit more of the pick and roll. Yeah, he's not a balls popping guy. Yeah, it's a little bit more of those two guys, I think. Um, Anyway, I wouldn't mind seeing like Monte, Barton, MPJ, Grant, and Jokic. I just think that's a lineup that would so heavily rely on Jokic ball that. It's just it was natural to go yeah, there. It's, it's never good enough for you, Mars. It's never, never good, good enough. enough. It's never good it's enough. It's never good enough. Hey, I'm not complaining though. Like honestly, <laughs> I'm not complaining. It was. It, it is nice that we're seeing these MPG. I mean, I, it's weird. He played him nine straight minutes today. You look at that. Yeah, that was big. That that felt like the most continuous stretch he's played. Those Jokic to MPG moments, though, however rare, that's when you're like, okay, you just got to rip the bandaid off and play this kid because yeah. when they get there. When they're consistently playing alongside each other on that mind meld level, it's going to be so easy for them, those two, to manufacture points. And so it's hard not to get excited when you see that happen. No doubt about it. Should um, we talk about uh, Jamal's night a little bit? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I guess that's the story. 33 points, 5 rebounds, 1 assist, 11 of 19. Well, he had really struggled over the last three games offensively. Like 13.3 points. Banged un- up. Under 40% from the field, under 30 from three. And yeah, you got the feeling he was a little banged up. He said so post-game. You asked him, Brennan, about that. and um, Go, Pull on that real quick. Yeah, so he quoted Wilson Chandler a couple nights ago and I think Chandler was tweeting about the importance of protecting your body long term and Jamal said I'm definitely starting to see that now so I asked him about it tonight and he said it's his back injury he's been feeling tight since he that collision with Ben Simmons in Philly um and, and so these last few days for him or since that game for him it's been about making sure he's doing everything he needs to do post game to stay loose and stay healthy Jamal is a self-proclaimed Malone's warrior. He's a guy who will battle through every nick and every knack. Um, he's tough, though. I, I, I laugh him and he yeah, earned that. It, and the Nuggets asked that from him time and time again. But maybe he, like everyone else, could benefit from um, you know, a little rest every now and then. And you don't always have to soldier through it. And so maybe a bit of a, of a attitude shift for Jamal. And I think and it's an interesting sort of philosophical one, and it's one that sort of defines this era of the NBA of, you know, you get the old heads talking about, we never took days off and never rested. And it's like, yeah, it's not always a virtue. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of guys had yeah. very short careers because they never took time off. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, I think with Jamal, I wonder, that tweet, I, I know the tweet you're talking about, I thought there might, might have been a little self-awareness to that too of like, yeah, I'm a warrior, but is that smart? Like, at 19, your body just bends and breaks and heals. He's not like he's old. But at some point, you do have to say, no, i got to think about 
long term. Now, all that said, I thought maybe they would rest him tonight, and and um, and then we would see him. No have man, a nice they would have maybe lost by twenty five. Yeah, they good thing tonight. they didn't, and he did not need that rest game. He was awesome tonight. So my question to the group: Was he awesome tonight in a way um, that's that sort of builds confidence in how you feel about the offense, or were the the tough shots just falling for him tonight? I think the tough shots. This were was falling. a classic Jamal game yeah. where the tough shots fell. He I mean, had some really impressive yeah. shots. Malone even put it pretty bluntly post game, pretty much saying what we've said sure. about Jamal forever that he takes a lot of tough shots and he's so talented because he can hit those tough shots. Jokic said the same thing tonight, though, and mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. He's a great scorer. And a, yeah, but a great scorer, not just a great shooter, which I think is true in both ways, both good and bad. Right. Like, I do wish he was a little bit more of a great shooter. Yeah. Something but. that was encouraging from Jamal's night, really encouraging, 9 of 10 from the line. Mm-hmm. He was yeah. averaging like two free throw attempts per game Great over these point. last few games. Ten free throw attempts tonight for a team in the Nuggets who is last in the league in total free throw attempts this year. Yeah. Thought that was a decent development. Yeah, that little give and go with Yoke, right? Hits a two on the DHO and then he immediately cuts back towards the rim and he's just going up strong and finishing through contact, mm-hmm. um, which is... Which is great in the vacuum of a game, but again, for a guy who's always injured, you know, he spends so yeah. much time on his back. Is, what is, has anybody scored more than 33 for the Nuggets this year? Am I forgetting? Well, Jamal. Like a, who? How many did he have? 39. When in was the this? Memphis game, right? Or no? Man, I don't remember that. Memphis, huh? No, 39. That might not be Memphis. I might be misremembering. All right. He, yeah, he pretty can sure put up it was 30, bunches, though. I think it was 37 or 39 for Jamal. All right. So it's second high of the, of, of the one. Yeah, his second highest. What are we, getting, what are we drinking tonight? We're drinking Colorado Core, the champagne of Breck Brews, I'm calling it. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Is this a Harrison Wind original? The, it, doesn't it kind of have a little champagne-y vibe with the little apple hints? I would go as far as to say it's better than champagne. Yeah, champagne would I would be a rather knockout. drink it than champagne. I would actually, you know what? This might be my new champagne whenever I have to have a champagne occasion. Yeah, yeah well, we're talking about the Decor on today's show. Great beer from Breckbrink. One of their lighter ones, a little bit on the lighter side compared to like the Hot Peak or uh, the Avalanche Amber. Amber, definitely the uh, Vanilla Porter, the uh, Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> the Vanilla Porter Jr. <laughs> the Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> Vanilla flavored beer. Yeah, but the uh, Cardo Core, check it out from Breck Brewing. Love our partnership with uh, Breck there, Colorado. We are Denver. Just kind of fits. So, yeah, check out the Cardo Core from Breck Brewing. And we'll be right back. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. 
they've done actually everything from preparing a small wiring situation with the circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast with Harrison Wynn, Brennan Vogt, I'm Adam Mudez. Um, is there anything noteworthy about, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about Michael Porter Jr., nine minutes, he did not play in the second half. It, it turned out to be, this wasn't Michael Porter Jr.'s fault, but it did turn out to be that putting Malik Beasley in in that third quarter made quite a difference. I mean, Malik Beasley tonight played 10 and a half minutes, he was a plus 13, and again, it wasn't all him. But it certainly felt he did provide a spark. I mean, there was a noticeable spark with Malik Beasley. So when you're comparing Beasley to Porter, Beasley plays at a different speed than Porter. Oh I feel yeah. Like. Oh yeah. Beasley's playing at like a nine, and Porter's playing at like a four or five. Like I, I just feel like something is just different about you know when you're looking at those two. Beasley sprints, Porter jogs. I feel like, but we've talked about how Porter covers like so much ground when he is running, but. It's just a different feel when those two are in. Is it a problem, the pace that MPJ plays at? Because you're right, he's a very, I call him a smooth athlete, but Mm -hmm. he does play, he glides across the court. No, I don't think it's a problem. It's just a definable trait that he has, I think. He's also still a player who is getting a lot of of buckets off of hard cuts or in transition. He's not a half-court type of player yet. He's smooth, and Beasley is not smooth. But Porter is smooth. Beasley does – Monte's talked about this. Beasley's so good at relocating and and staying in guys' vision and and understanding spacing. Mm -hmm. And I do think there's a difference between, like, okay, MPJ scored those two points, and Malik Beasley had this effect on the offense and the defense. Yeah. And I I don't – right now I I don't necessarily see a correlation between these runs MPJ is going on personally – and team success. And I'm not knocking him, but it's, it's not the same right now. Returning Paul Millsap tonight, 15 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists. He only played 25 and a half minutes. He was 4 of 9. Um, it's interesting to see him back. I didn't think we were going to see Paul Millsap back. I was kind of surprised by that. I thought they might take this whole homestand off and let him uh, rest. But um, he's back in the lineup. What did you see out of him, Brendan? Anything noteworthy? Uh, the same. Like yeah. he, He's a guy who does not need the ball for three quarters, and then there's a quarter each game where you need to give him the ball because yeah. he's yeah. been the best offensive player. But his feel for, for the green and the red light in that context has been uh, superb this season. Yeah, what was it, seven straight in the third? Yeah. Kind of sprung Denver on the 24-0 run. Yeah. So timely, timely buckets. Timely, Very dad yeah. performance, would you yeah. say? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Jokic, 18 points, 9 rebounds, 12 assists, almost a triple-double. <clears throat> almost a triple-double. Um, you pointed this out <clears throat> on press row. Jokic, like, hides from that last. Yeah, that he doesn't last. care. <laughs> He's not a triple-dunner. Jokic hunter. almost hit bingo tonight. Like, he didn't have that... Like Sports Center number one highlight pass, but he hit the Sombor shuffle. Yeah. He hit the full court Hail Mary to Gary That's Harris. Right. Oh, yeah. Near almost bingo. No dunk, though. No, nah, no dunk. <laughs> no power dunk. Going against he the... tried to a couple times on the fast break. Ran That's out of true. gas. Actually, the coast to coast fast break <laughs> was an interesting He had play. like three coast to coast <laughs> fast breaks today. Who said he's not aggressive? Man, I, I, I'll tell you what, he still just continues to look really, really good. And he worked out again after today's game. I was curious to see if, he'd do, if he was going to do that. Um, yeah. 
So uh, it's weird. 18, 9, and 12, almost a triple-double. I would call this game like a B-plus Jokic game. I mean, yeah. there was, I thought he could have been a little bit more aggressive going against Vooch, but... He actually missed some easy ones. I think, oh, my God, yeah. He got his own head about it. So. Everything just it just seems normal around Jokic again, yes. you know? Yes. Yeah, I mean, sure. he's obviously back on the court, but everything else surrounding him just seems like it's back to usual. He's found his level, whatever that is. Do you think Malik Beasley gets minutes against Minnesota? You know, it's interesting because yesterday at practice, or Tuesday at practice, uh, Michael Malone says, I cannot continue to play Gary Harris 37, 38 minutes a night, mm-hmm. which he had been playing well, over the last the night, couple. 39. Right. <laughs> but Gary only 34, and I think that was definitely directed you know, specifically at Gary because of the injury history he's had. Will Barton, more more durable than Gary Harris has been throughout his career. Mm. Um, but you know, the fact that Denver can spell Gary Harris with Malik Beasley a little cleaner than I think they can spell him with Porter makes me think that maybe Malik could garner a few more minutes here over these next few. Would you want him in the – I mean, we talk about the rotation every game, and it's kind of yeah. weird, but like – I don't know. It's so – I think Malone's job is impossible because we, I go back and forth about this kind of stuff. It's, it's almost like you're asking a, a bigger, grander scale question. Like are you trying to win each game? Cause, I know. Yes, probably more minutes from Lee Beasley. But is this about the, the development for MPJ and finding minutes where you can? And he, Do you need to reintroduce another guy? In and the here's goal? the other thing. I agree with you what you said. Playing Beasley over Porter probably gives you a little bit better of a chance to win. But Malik Beasley could be out of here in a month. Could. He could be out of here in two weeks. Will be. <laughs> right. I don't know about two weeks, but I, I – yeah. You got to weigh the benefit of, like, devoting all these minutes to him instead of somebody else who is definitely going to be here for the rest of the year. I also wonder if it's too early to start looking at the Western Conference as the Lakers and then everybody else, and then you're kind of in that tier two, which has a nice little cushion. Like, you're going to make the playoffs. You're probably not going to get the one seed. I know it's too early to wave that white flag, but is there just more benefit now to start taking steps towards what you're going to be well, three think, months from now? To be fair, I actually think that Michael Porter Jr. is playing like the healthy amount of minutes. I wish the Nuggets looked better because I think, like for example, if Denver wasn't down 19 today, Michael Porter Jr. plays in the second half and he gets 15, 20 minutes in sure. this game. The team has to help Malone out a little bit and no build doubt. some of these big leads so that he can mm-hmm. be in there. But um, I, I do like the fact that Michael Porter Jr. is playing eight-minute stretches, and, and we get a good look at him. But is, are, is Beasley part of your plans with this rotation to go in forward? Like, is he part of the, ro- the playoff rotation? Probably well, not, because he's probably not part of the team. Well, I wonder if maybe he's part of the rotation until he's traded. A little, like, look at how good he is sometimes. It, it, and it is. Yeah, this, this game was good for I, the Malik Beasley well, trade. Tory Craig uh, illness, right? And so he plays two and a half minutes, right. goes back to the locker room. That's really what opened up the minutes right. for, for No Wancho tonight, right? Did we see No Wancho tonight, no. So, Beasley yeah. was a plus 13. The thing is, after all the stuff minutes. you say about Beasley and like, okay, well, he's out of here and we know why he's out of the rotation, it's also insane that he's out of the rotation. He was so good last year. Yeah, season. he really was. He was a guy that really helped them win games. So I, my conclusion here, my non-take is that I don't know, and I don't know how Malone is supposed to do it. Yeah, yeah he's got a tough job. Tough job. Let me ask you this one before we go to our final break. This is the biggest, one of the bigger philosophical questions of the Michael Malone era. I minored in philosophy, so. Oh, this will be good then. You'll be great at this one. Nuggets tonight, you know, Michael Malone is always going to focus on the defense. And he's going to focus on that third quarter in which Denver held Orlando to 16 points. 
The flip side is that you could point to Denver's second quarter in which they scored 18 points. Almost, it's almost a perfect inverse to two quarters, right? Does Denver, does their defense sort of inspire their offense or does their offense inspire their defense more often than not? I think their offense inspires their defense. And uh, Scott Hastings has always said this. He oh, said this is it his corner. a couple years ago. Um, I think that's the case, man. I think when they get their when they play Jokic ball and when they get the ball popping and get it moving, they lock in more defensively. I, I really do. I kind of lean towards what I would assume Jokic's response to this question, was, <laughs> which is him rolling his eyes and shrugging and not really sure how to articulate. Like, does this matter? Isn't it a little bit of both? Isn't it at times? Oh man, that's not how I would have guessed Jokic would answer this question. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I would I have said he would say offense. Yeah, I think he I, actually does I, have one. I don't know if he like. I, to me, this is one of those things where it's like, is does this dynamic? Is this real? Does this matter? Is this? I just think that there's a little bit of a cloud over this team, and it's it's lesser than it was a month ago. There's no doubt about it. But I feel like there's just this little bit of like we're doing our jobs tonight rather than like we're coming out and having fun. Sure. And when Denver scores 39 points in a quarter, we, the 13 stops in a row is talked about, but Denver was scoring almost every time down court. I just think that that to me is what gets this team sort of pumped up and amped up. And it's funny to me because that's my perspective on this. But Michael Malone always hammers the defensive note, and oh, what changed this game was our defense, and it's just funny to me. It's a it's a funny perspective thing. But I think that's because he he knows that his two best players are offensively inclined. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. right. And I think the mm-hmm. defense thing is a day to day focused job for this. Game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> they were down fifteen at the half, though. They had to they had to score some points. You couldn't <laughs> you couldn't have like a thirty four to thirty one grinded out half. You had to score, and yeah. it, they came alive. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting philosophical one. The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flower, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. So going now to look at the trades, I talked to Christian Clark, former BSNer, now on the uh, NOLA.com beat following the Pelicans. Big a, shouts. Big, a big shouts. shouts. Big shouts to the homie. Um, New Orleans looking to move Drew Holiday. And it's interesting because he was off limits for the longest time, and now he's not. It makes you wonder. Was, has Nobody he is off limits. <laughs> That's well, my Luka take. Doncic is off limits. <laughs> yes, there are like 10 players in the league who are off limits. Drew Holiday is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> but Drew Holiday, I do think, is a piece that they wanted to keep. And so the fact that he has showed up, I don't know that that was like a let's sell off a Drew Holiday. It does make you wonder. Maybe he wanted a contender. Maybe he wanted to go somewhere. Um, is he a player that you look at and think, oh, man, that is a missing piece that gets Denver. If not a championship, it just moves them up a, a level. To me, it's not a slam dunk. To me, it's a, it's a tough question to answer, and there's your answer for me, right? Okay. I think if you're ready to move on from a piece of, of the core and pieces, you have to be positive that this is a substantial upgrade, that this, I think, pushes you from top of Tier 2 to bottom of Tier 1. I'm not positive, and, and thus I'm, I'm hesitant. I think, I mean, and so, so if we're talking about like pretty much a Drew Holiday for Gary Harris swap, because 
if the other guys in, that would be included in that deal, maybe a Malik, maybe a Wancho, they might Probably not be. Both. They might not be here the next year anyway. Yeah. So, sure. so say we're talking about a Gary for Drew, pretty straight up swap. I think that makes Denver a better team. I think it gives them maybe like a five percent better chance to win a championship. Uh, I, I think it definitely maybe moves them up a little bit in the Western Conference. I'm kind of with you, Brendan. I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think it's not as natural a fit as people think. Gary Harris, for as bad as Denver's offense has been at times this season, and this is a little bit of a harder sell with how inconsistent of a shooter Gary's been, but he is like the perfect fourth or fifth option offensively for that starting lineup. Drew Holiday is a pretty ball-dominant guard who has not been a great three-point shooter over the last four or five years, like a 33 34% shooter from three. And he's also taking 18 shots a game this right. year. And yes, in New Orleans, it's he's number one team. option, <laughs> and they play at a really fast pace, and they're a crappy team. But he is a very, he's a very high-usage player. And uh, I don't know if it's like the seamless fit that a lot of people think it is. I think it makes Denver a better team, but I'm not sure if it's like the, the perfect fit. Right, because especially with the way Will Barton's playing, right? Maybe not a coincidence that with Gary kind of taking a smaller role in the offense, Barton has a lot more freedom, and we're seeing him play his best basketball. How does that change if Drew Holiday comes to town? So Gary Gary takes 10 shots a game right now. Drew Holiday takes 18. So other people would have to sacrifice. Drew Drew would have to change his game. And as you mentioned, you go from one of the fastest, if not the fastest team, to one of the slowest, if not the slowest teams. So maybe he takes off a shot or two here or there. But you are right that he would have to change – Shot selection is just so important in the Jokic offense. And there's mm-hmm. players on this team who have, like, relatively good shot selection who we still get frustrated at, Jamal Murray. Who, like, Jamal Murray's a great player who gets pretty efficient looks. And sometimes we still think, move it a little bit more. So I think it's a, a, a good concern. I All the smart people I talk to around the league, scouts, um, you know, just people around on, on, on that have worked in front offices that are now writers around – they all love the deal. Zach Lowe even loved, loves the deal. He wants mm-hmm. it for Denver. So if, it's interesting that us three are cooler on the deal than, than maybe people outside of this circle. I think if you're just kind of checking in periodically with this Nuggets team this season, you're probably seeing on its face a, a version of what we've seen, which is like, okay, this team doesn't quite have it. But well, what we're seeing is where are they on the process to having it? And, and do they need to change their team? But I think if you are – obviously Zach Lowe follows – every team closely, but just from the national perspective, if you've seen a game here or there, you might think, okay, they're a guy short in a year in which this window's open. It's all, Denver is just also the team that everybody always throws in these sure. trades. Like the team that, oh, if they got the next big piece, they're the next team in the Western Conference. And I also think that people nationally are probably looking at Gary Harris as who he is this year, and it's been a pretty bad offensive season for him. Not great. And in the back of our minds, we still have that 2018-2019 or that 2017-18 Gary Harris in our kind of frame of mind a little bit. How much bigger is Drew Holiday than Gary Harris? I think they're the same size, height-wise. So with how well Gary's been playing defensively anyway, I mean. But Drew, so Drew, I I talked to Christian about this yesterday. Drew plays bigger. I mean, he's like a Marcus Smart. that He guards big guys. He, he just – it's not a mismatch when he gets switched on to, like, Paul George. And that's, that's a good point. And that's, that's the difference. Gary Harrison is. He feel, yeah, he feels longer. But he I, seems longer. I think Harrison has outlined the key, key question, which is what does Drew Holiday look like in Denver's offense? 
Well, the real thing is that Beasley and Wancho, as you mentioned, are, might be gone for nothing. And I think the plan was always, like, we'll move some of these guys at this moment. But I just don't look around and see the guys that I've... There's not that one player that you go, okay, now it's time to move these pieces for that guy. Man, I may have just throughout the course of this conversation changed my stance. Let's do it! I want to hear it! A flip-flop. You do want to get something for Malik and Wancho. Is there a better way to maybe consolidate and then to cash all those guys in and Gary in for... Harrison says it gives you a 5% better chance. Well, you have a 3 or 4% chance right now, I think. And that's enough in which you're almost obligated to give it everything you've got. Yeah. And it is is it the next step, right? They haven't skipped steps, but is the next step a big move? This might be the last one. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe I'm wondering, maybe one more guy in the playoffs, it, you feel that much more confident. Here's another thing. Drew Holiday's making $26 million this year. That's a lot. Next year he's making twenty six million again. In twenty twenty one twenty two, he has a player option for twenty seven million. Mm. Really, most of your money is going to be tied up in Holiday, Murray, Jokic. You're probably still going to give Grant a new deal this summer. What about Millsap? Not a ton of wiggle room with Holiday here. You get and Gary is on a very team friendly contract too. That's a good point, Harrison. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. It, 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 let me ask this. When do you think the Nuggets make? I mean, because we all agree that a trade's coming. I mean, it just wouldn't make sense for there not to be one. When do you think that trade happens? I mean, I I feel like it, it's not going to happen until at least, you know, the middle of January. Mm. I mean, trades always happen closer to the deadline, like instead of closer to the December 15th, I feel like. Seems like everybody's kind of iffy to trade right now. Hasn't there not been a trade since the yeah, it's been Westbrook Chris Paul trade? It's like one of the longest stretches ever. Yeah. Like we hit December 15th, oh, it's trade season. Well, things seem fairly quiet. Yeah. So I don't see it happening you know, for a little bit here. It would but, be weird. Man, the idea of this Nuggets team being different in any significant way is pretty weird. It's kind of hard to wrap my mind around. I would, I mean, if you can get what you think is good value for for Beasley and Wancho, like it's probably good to move those guys sooner rather than later, don't you think? And I, to me, sooner it makes the most sense. I just, of, this team is yeah. in a weird holding pattern, and and I feel like you could be sitting at the deadline, and who knows what's going to happen, like to those guys' values over the next month, and suddenly you're like, man, we got to deal with these guys because they're not going to be here next year. We got to get something for them, and. I don't know what their value could be then. Last up, I think it'll be earlier, but last up, um, 4-0 on this homestand. They have Minnesota coming in who has now lost 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 8 in a row. Jesus. Oh, is that true? Goodness gracious. Oh, they're, they're, they have just completely imploded. Um, after that, I guess it was a hot start, but I'm looking at it. They I was four, never buying that. It start. was four or five. It wasn't it was even that. that. Towns was off to a hot yeah, start. Yeah, Towns was off to a hot start too, uh, and Wiggins too. But it, it's just they've completely imploded. <laughs> Towns now may be questionable. He did not play tonight against New Orleans. In fact, New Orleans got their first win in a while at, at, at Minnesota's <laughs> expense. Um, what? How, how did the? Let's just. What, what, what makes this a successful home home stand for the Nuggets? Just keep racking up wins and. Um, I don't think it's going to look pretty. Like, that was kind of my whole frame of mind coming into this homestand. You know, they went on that road trip, went one in uh, in three, lost some good teams. But 
like they beat Portland, they beat Oklahoma City, beat New York, beat Orlando. They're playing a, a lot of below 500 teams, and my feeling is like they're going to continue to rack up wins, but it's not going to look extremely, you know, like like the Nuggets of old. That's just kind of the read. I feel like how things are kind of going continue a little bit, but it could still be a success because you know racking up wins at this point in the season is very important. Yeah. I, I think Brendan, you're a very you were a very disengaged member of this podcast. I think um, the other. What are you talking about? I'm here. The other. Uh, well, that was thrown to you. But uh, <laughs> oh, the, the other piece. I was at the standings. Well, the other piece of it, I think, is Denver has looked a little bit better over these last ones. Jokic has obviously gotten going. I would like a Friday night crowd before you have to go into a Lakers game on Sunday, which is going to be, I think, a big sort of like real test. I think it'd be nice for Denver to really have a good feel-good win on Friday. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, they're coming off of two, I would say, feel-bad wins. Yep. The Knicks win, which was just a hideous one, and then this one where they had to rally back against a bad team. Friday, you get a Friday night crowd, loud, maybe a little drunk, a little into it, where you just want it to go. Blow the doors off Minnesota, especially if Towns isn't in there. Blow the doors off him. Let's get 20 minutes of Michael Porter Jr., and let's have a celebration. Let's have a hype pod right before they lose in L.A. No, man, here's, something, exactly. here's something I was talking about with Matt Moore tonight. We were, I was just saying how two years ago Denver did not get up for bad teams. Last year they did. This year it seems like they don't again. Minnesota's a bad team, below 500 team, but game 82 – I feel like that's something this group of guys will always think about. Yeah. And so they'll always get up for Minnesota. You'd be 5-0 and in the division, too, for the win over Minnesota. You know what? That's That part actually sells me more than the what Game 82 shitty part. shitty division the Northwest Division no. is all of a sudden. Who saw this coming, right? <laughs> no, Thank, but I think it thanks means... Portland. But I think it means something. Do you remember Denver division record was great last year? Yes. I, I think there really is something, too. You're, this team does get up for tough games, and they also get up for division games. I also think particularly because briefly they're at different time spots in the timeline, Minnesota... Um, uh, Minnesota and Portland were like the biggest mental hurdles for this team. And mm. I think like you saw them kind of switch a gear and like we could tell that the timeline was going to be very different for Denver from Minnesota and Portland when we got this far down the line. Right? Yeah. They, I think they clearly separated themselves from those teams. And at any time a division opponent comes into the, this building at this point, I think they're feeling cocky about a win. Mm-hmm. So Utah right now with two division losses, Portland with three, Oklahoma City with four, Minnesota with four. Having a two-game lead on the division through five games is kind of—it's kind of big. Noteworthy, I think. I think it's actually noteworthy. So, mm-hmm. well, let's hopefully we get that to get ourselves out of here. Any other comments before we uh, wrap this up? I don't really have anything. Um, this game was pretty bland. Yeah, the the Nuggets seem like they're in good spirits, though. Like, they do. That's a great they point. Are, I'm glad you brought that up. They are in a way better place than I think we are looking at this team. <laughs> so true, for um, sure. <laughs> Yeah, which is actually something that happens a lot more than I think people realize. Yeah. Well, don't you know? Have you ever been driving like somebody else is driving and you're in the passenger seat and you're just like freaked out by their driving? And <laughs> it's like snowy out and you're like, are the roads slick? And they're like, no, it's fine. Yeah. That's how it feels with yeah. this Nuggets yeah, team. Yeah, like, I will say on the road, there was building tension. But then they said in Philly, every single person said like, hey, we know what we have to do. We go home and we win four or five at home. Everything's fine. Yeah. Well, Mission here we are. Mission almost. We got one more. Well, yeah, yeah. We got yeah. one more. All right, guys. That was uh, that was it. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review on iTunes if you haven't already. And we'll be back again tomorrow.
Hey guys, before we get out of here, I gotta tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check them out. This CBD-infused coffee, it's taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, self-decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is also all-natural, not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it anymore to our listeners. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. Check it out for yourself today. And you will receive 20% off when you use the code DNVR20 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door.